Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor, especially if you're visiting us this morning. Um, it's lovely to have you. Thank you, Anne. It's good to be together this morning, and of course, we're into summertime, so Sunday school is taking a break. Um, we have got at the back of the room some colouring suitable for all ages, puzzle books and things, so anybody of any age or stage who just fancies going and doing a bit of colouring at any point, feel free. Um, if younger people want to take some of the puzzle books home, that's also fine as well. We don't have a, uh, the zones model this year. We're taking a break from that. We're, doing, we're kind of doing more um, stuff altogether. Uh, with a, some weeks, we're going to have some parallel options for people who just might be interested in, in exploring something different or in a different way. Today, though, we are just all staying together. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And so we use our voices to praise God as we sing together. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices. And if you're able, you're invited to stand as we sing. Let us come to God with our prayers of praise. 
And at the end of the guided prayer, we are, as usual, invited to join in the Lord's Prayer. And please do that in whatever language and whatever version is the one that feels most normal and natural for you. It's always a joy to hear the different languages and voices together. So let's pray. God, we praise you with every part of our being. With our mouths, we may sing and speak words of adoration, thanksgiving and confession. With our minds, we may ponder the mystery of who you are, explore new ideas and formulate new questions. With our hearts, we may feel a range of emotions, joy, sorrow, frustration, anger, fear, love, all of these and more. With our feet, we may walk or stand. With our hands, we may hold, give or receive. And even those parts of which we are unaware are a part of the bodies with which you bless us and also with which we approach you in worship. Here in this place, just as we are embodied creatures, each one intimately known by you, each one wholly accepted by you, each one seeking to follow our saviour and friend Jesus. So we pause, opening ourselves afresh to the safe embrace of your love, beyond words, beyond ideas, beyond feelings. Welcomed, accepted and cherished, we join our voices, minds and hearts as we pray using the words Jesus gave his followers, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who I was really um, intrigued last week when Emma was telling us that Sunday school have a rule that every, every week they have a game and every week they have a craft activity. Well, I'm not going to inflict both on you, so be grateful for small mercies. But I thought we would start with a little bit of a game. And I want to say before we play this game, there are, you can't get it wrong, okay? Whatever you do <coughs> is right because it's just about uh, thinking about who we are as people, what we like, what we don't like so much uh, and, and how that varies. So if you can imagine this is a long line up the middle, I would like anybody who is willing to be <coughs> part of this game to come and stand somewhere 
in the middle here. And, and you honestly can't get it wrong, so there's really nothing to be too frightened about. But if nobody comes, I'm going to look desperately <coughs> silly. Well, that's a good start. Maybe, maybe some more people might feel able to join in once we get going. Okay. So the way this, this game works is you just have to choose where you are on a line between two options. So we're going to start. It's called the chocolate and vanilla game. So the end by the microphone or the communion table is chocolate. The end by the back table is vanilla. So I want to ask you to stand where you think you would be. If you really, really like chocolate and are not sure about vanilla, it would be that end. Like vanilla, not chocolate, it's that end. If you're somewhere in the middle, it's here. Okay, so we have a couple of chocolate people, a number of vanilla people, and some in the middle. Okay, next one. Savoury at that end, sweet at that end. Savoury, sweet, or somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah, you can go somewhere in the middle if you wish. So Jeff's the, the very savoury person, a few very sweet people and quite a few people in the middle. Okay, tea, coffee. <laughs> okay, interesting, we're much, we're much clearer whether our preference is for tea or, or for coffee. <laughs> okay, thinking about your chips, salt and vinegar, salt and sauce. Salt and vinegar on your chips or salt and sauce on your chips? Something else in the middle. So nothing salt, salt and vinegar. Okay, so we've got a couple of salt and sauce and a few salt and vinegars and a lot somewhere in the middle. Okay, fantastic. Thinking about if you are going on holiday, would you rather go to the mountains or the ocean? Seaside holiday, mountains and countryside holiday. Somewhere in the middle. Okay. Those that are watching, can you see how they're moving around, that it's not always the same people that are together at the same places? Okay, if you prefer cats, if you prefer dogs, if you're somewhere in the middle. Uh. Okay. When you go to a party, are you always in the kitchen at parties? Or are you first up on the dance floor? Hiding away in the kitchen, first up on the dance floor, somewhere in between. <laughs> So we have some party animals and we have some people who'd far rather be anywhere but. Okay, if you prefer classical music, that ends. If you prefer pop music, that ends. If you like a bit of both, in the middle. Classicals, pop, musicals, operetta, opera. No pop music fans, that's interesting, isn't it? Okay, some slightly more complicated ones. Do come in. Would you rather learn something new by 
thinking about it, so reading, studying, pondering, or doing it? Doers, thinkers. <laughs> okay, so leaners towards the doers, but still a bit of a thinker. We have some definite thinkers and lots of definite doers. Okay, brilliant, thank you. Do you prefer to be in an environment that is quiet or an, env an environment that's busy and noisy and buzzy? Okay, so some quiet people, some... Okay, related to that one, do you prefer singing or silence? Or somewhere in between? <laughs> okay, so some people like to be, be singing, some people like to be silenced. Last one. Would you rather listen to a sermon or listen to a story? <laughs> or somewhere in between. <laughs> people who'd rather listen to a sermon, people who'd rather listen to a story. A sermon is like what I do when I stand at the front and, and talk. Or, and a story is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a lovely story. Okay, so... Some people like sermons, some people like stories, some people like a bit of both or in the middle. Thank you very much, everybody, for taking part. That was brilliant. So as we saw there, we all have, some, we have different preferences and, and different things we like and dislike. Some people like tea, some people like coffee, some people don't like either of them. And although our preferences are not the same as necessarily as our personality, you can get quiet people that like coffee or not more, more exuberant people that like coffee or tea or whatever, there is some kind of things that are about who we are that shapes what works better for us. And we're going to be thinking a little bit about some of that today. But now we're just going to sort of take a few moments to remain seated and sing a little song um, I think it will be familiar, at least the first verse is familiar. And this is where we just offer ourselves to God, just as we are, with all our likes and our dislikes and um, personality traits. Thank you, Paul. So today, as we start our series looking at spirituality and aspects of spirituality, we're thinking about how our personality and our spirituality might be connected. 
I'm going to start by recognising that for some people, the whole personality thingy is just a turn-off. Some people see it as just so much psychobabble or management nonsense. And if that's you, that's fine. It's totally fine. I know there are people who have had an helpful experience of it being used to stereotype or define them. It certainly happened when I worked for Rolls-Royce back in the 1980s, and they used a model called the DISC, without the O on the end, <laughs> DISE disc model, which was about dominance, influence, something else, and compliance. And they were trying to find out what was the Rolls-Royce personality, which I didn't have, because we were supposed to be dominant and influencing. And I was actually very compliant. And that bothered me at the time. It doesn't bother me now. I'm quite happy to be a compliant person. But it can be used in unhelpful ways. And some of you may have, have experienced that too. And it's entirely possible that there are people here who have forgotten far more about this whole personality type thing than I've ever known. I find it interesting, obviously, otherwise I wouldn't be doing this. And I also find it helpful to reflect on who I am, how I respond and relate to others who could be like me or could be very different from me, and how I need to develop as a human being, never mind as a disciple of Jesus. And so it does seem to be, for me, a useful way of beginning to think about spirituality this summer. But if it's not for you, that's totally fine. There are any number of weird and wonderful things out there. Um, how many people have come across the Myers-Briggs thing? Or have done it yet? Quite a few people. And the faces probably tell it all. <laughs> what, I, I've used this here before, and I really appreciate you probably can't read it at that distance, but some people have found a way of connecting our, our Myers-Briggs to our press types. I'm kind of an ISTJ stroke ISFJ, so the prayers offers for me are God help me to be, begin to relaxing about little details tomorrow at 11.41 and 32 seconds. Or the IFJ, because I'm on the cusp of those two. Lord, help me to be laid more back and help me to do it exactly right. These are not um, methods of looking at personality that take account of anything spiritual or religious. In fact, a number of them are quite clear that they don't do religion, they don't do God. Um, some of them come from kind of atheist uh, thinkers who say that actually who we are is all about nature and nurture and God doesn't come into it. So Christians have kind of bolted a bit on to some of them. However, there is one of these that actually has specifically spiritual origins and that is the Enneagram. Anybody come across the Enneagram? Few people, yeah, okay. It's interesting, it's a really, really ancient um, way of looking at personality. The origins are lost in the mists of times, but in Judaism, Christianity, Islamic, and Eastern thought, there are very similar ideas. In Christian circles, it's really only been amongst Roman Catholics that any serious thinking has been done about this. And most of the stuff that I have looked at in preparing for today comes from Roman Catholic uh, writers. And, and some of it is here if anybody's interested in looking at it afterwards. Some Christians are a bit wary of it. They look at that star and think, ah, oh, stars, that's a bit dodgy, isn't it? 
Well, you know, stars are stars. You, they're just a thing. Um, it's what we do with them that matters. We're not going to explore the Enneagram today. We don't have time to do that, but as I say, there are some bits and bobs available for anybody who's interested, who doesn't know much about it. You can have a look at the books or um, feel free to take away a copy of the handouts that I've done a few copies of. But here are some important truths that we need to hold on to as we think about ourselves and our own spirituality. In some ways, each one of us is completely unique. We're like no, nobody else at all. In some ways, we're like some other people. And we've already seen that with the game we played. In some ways, we're like every other person who has ever lived and will ever live. But most important, God loves us just as we are. And God longs for us to flourish and find fulfillment. None of these models is going to be the answer to everything. Of course it's not. But maybe thinking about who we are and how we are, our personalities and our preferences, is helpful as we begin to think about our relationship with God. And so to help us do that, we're going to listen to two passages of scripture, and I'm very grateful to Esan and Anis and Ali and Elham who are going to come and bring those for us now. Thank you. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert. He was taken there to be tempted by the devil. Jesus ate nothing for 40 days and nights. After this, he was very hungry. The devil came to tempt him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these rocks to become bread. Jesus answered him, The scriptures say, It is not just bread that keeps people alive. Their lives depend on what God says. Then the devil led Jesus to the holy city of Jerusalem and put him on a high place at the edge of the temple area. He said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, jump off, because the scriptures say God will command his angels to help you, and their hands will catch you, so that you will not hit your foot on a rock. Jesus answered, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Then the devil led Jesus to the top of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the wonderful things in them. The devil said, If you will bow down and worship me, I will give you all these things. Jesus said to him, Get away from me, Satan. The scripture says, You must worship the Lord your God, serve only him. So the devil left him. Then some angels came to Jesus and helped him. Psalm 139 Lord, you have tested me, so you know all about me. You know when I sit down and when I get up. You know my thoughts from far away. 
You know where I go and where I lie down. You know every everything I do. Lord, you know what I want to say, even before the word leave my mouth. You are all around me, in front of me and behind me. I feel your hand on my shoulder. I'm amazed at what you know. It is too much for me to understand. Your spirit is everywhere I go. I cannot escape your presence. If I go up to heaven, you will be there. If I go down to the place of death, you will be there. If I go east where the sun rises, or go to live in the west beyond the sea, even there you will take my hand and lead me. Your strong right hand will protect me. Suppose I want to hide from, your, uh, from you and said, Surely the darkness will hide me. They, uh, the day will change to night and co uh, cover me. Even the darkness is not too dark. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same. You form the way I think and I feel. You put me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because you made me in such a wonderful way. I know how amazing that was. You could see my bones grow as my body took, took shape, hidden in my mother's womb. You could see my body grow each passing day. You listed all my parts and not one of them was missing. Your, your thoughts are beyond my understanding. You can't be measured. If you could count them, they would be more than all the grains of sand. But when I, finish, when I finished, I would have just begun. You're murderers. Get away from me. God, kill those wicked people. Those we say bad, bad things about you. Your enemies use, use your name falsely. Lord, I hate those who hate you. I hate those who are against you. I hate them completely. Your enemies are also my enemies. God, examine me and now my mind. Test me and now all my worries. Make sure, make sure that I'm not going the wrong way. Lead me on the path that has always been right. Been right.
I prefer tea to coffee. I'd rather walk in the mountains than lounge on a beach, although I do love to paddle in the ocean. I love cats, and I like dogs. Chips should, in my opinion, be served with just salt. And, as the song says, you will always find me in the kitchen at parties. Just as I am, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so is each and every one of you. The beautiful, familiar words of Psalm 139 are an endless source of affirmation and encouragement for anyone who seeks to follow Jesus. Indeed, for anyone at all who needs to be reminded of their own intrinsic worth as a creature who is known and loved by the eternal God to whom all scripture directs our hearts and our minds. Our reflection must begin with a reminder to ourselves that we really are fearfully and wonderfully made. That from the very moment of our conception, God has been keenly interested in us, watching over us and caring for us. That God delights in us and dreams dreams for us. All of us. Every single one. What is true for one of us is true for all of us. And what is true generally applies individually. We don't always read all of that psalm. Because it's not all sweetness and light. Parts of it are deeply disturbing, and we discover a harsh, judgmental, aggressive, and even vengeful side to the psalmist. It's really tempting to miss those verses out because they make us so uncomfortable, but rather they weren't there. But reading the psalm again this week, as I've been thinking about personality and spirituality, I've been reminded of my own darker side of the angry thoughts that I sometimes think, of the judgments I pass on other people, and of other aspects of who I am that frankly are quite less than lovely. The psalmist suggests that sometimes we wish we could hide from God, that we could hide in the dark or flee to some place that God isn't, but we can't. Sometimes we fall short of our own best endeavours. Sometimes we're embarrassed or ashamed. Sometimes we wish we could go back and change things or say something different, but of course we can't. As the Apostle Paul puts it, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we live with a real tension We have a God who delights in us and loves us unconditionally. And we have flaws or wounds that, if untended, damage or destroy the very humanity in which God delights so much. 
Or, to put it another way, each one of us is a unique blend of nature and nurture. Who we are, how we react in different situations, and even how we relate to God is informed by our experiences, our education, our personalities, and much more. Being aware of that or taking time to bring that to mind can be helpful. One of the things that attracted me to the Enneagram, to think about our personality and spirituality and how that's related, is that it starts from a spiritual perspective and it starts by recognising that we are God's precious children, each unique, each wonderfully made, and that we are wounded or flawed or damaged. The books that I've been reading have been very careful not to use the label of sin as the cause of our wounds. And, and one of them draws on the story of the healing of the blind man in John 9, where the, the disciples came to Jesus and said, well, whose sin caused this? And Jesus said, it's, it's not about sin, it's not about fault. There are things in life that are potentially damaging for us just because of how life is. We all experience loss. We all experience injury. We all experience disappointment. These are, are just things that happen. But some of the wounds will go very deeply and will affect the way here we are and how we respond to each other and to God. So here again, some truths. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are wounded and flawed. And God loves us with a never-ending love. Starting by thinking about our flaws can be really uncomfortable. So it's important to recognise that for each of these flaws, there's an equally strong positive characteristic to that personality type. I have twice done an official Enneagram test, um, once around about 20 years ago and once a couple of weeks ago when I chose to pay to get one done as part of my research for this. And I'm a bit of a strange one, that's probably no surprise, but I come out with having two types that are pretty much equal in strength and a third one that's not far behind. We're all different. What comes out for different people will be different. The wound or the flaw of the type six people, which is one of the ones that comes out really strong for me, is fear, fear itself. Type six people can be really insecure, really anxious to please. And type six people are also noted for being loyal. They can be aggressively um, so and stand up for those they love very much. And type sixes can demonstrate enormous courage. I'm told that type six people can di be divided into two subgroups. There are the phobics, who are frightened of everything, and the counterphobics, who take dangerous risks because that their way of dealing with it is to just be a risk taker. And the healthy lies somewhere in between the two. Now, I'm not sure how justified this is, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. It's a bit of my story. 
I am an actual phobic six, um, which is ideally suited to being a risk assessor back in the days when that was what I did for a living. But being brought face to face with my own mortality a few years ago, I think has allowed me to reflect on that and to develop the more courageous aspect. So a year ago, I did a zip slide across the Clyde. And just a few months ago, I did a firewalk. They were both very managed risks, very controlled, very safe environments. But probably a few years ago, I wouldn't have even countenanced doing either of them. So maybe I'm discovering a more healthy version of my sex than the terrified one that I have been for most of my life. The type one, which is my other uh, type, is a perfectionist. And type one people need to be right and they need to be good. And they worry about being bad and they worry about getting it wrong. And that causes them frustration first with themselves and then with other people when perfection is, as obviously is the case, impossible. Apparently, the virtue of a type one is serenity or tranquility. You're allowed to laugh, because I know fine well I have a heck of a long way to go on that one. I'm not serene and I'm not tranquil. Well, you might say that's all very fine, Katrina, and that's all very interesting for you, but what the heck has any of it got to do with our spirituality? For the practitioners of the Enneagram, these nine types, along with their sins or wounds and virtues, are just a starting point. They then go on to try and connect different types and find correlations with them and to divide them into groups of three using different, different categories, really. We haven't got time to look at that, and I'm certainly not qualified to comment on any of it, never mind explain it. But I did find um, in one of the books I looked at an idea that seemed quite helpful, and I want to share that really this morning. A guy called Christopher L. Hewitz, in the book called The Sacred Enneagram, divides us into three types of people. People who are head people, people who are heart people, people who are gut people. And I guess many of us have come across that sort of idea before, that you're a head person, a heart person, or, or a gut person. So he, d he defines us into these three groups. And he says there are three lies which come from Henri Nguyen's work. These are the lies we tell ourselves, the things we believe ourselves about ourselves that shape the way we behave. So the gut people, the lie they believe, or I should say I believe, because one of mine is a gut personality, is that I am what I do. It's what I do that gives me value. I have to be doing the right thing to have value. The heart people, it's the lie that heart people believe is that I am what others say about me. So I, I need people to say nice things about me to, to give me worth. And if they don't, then I must be worthless. And the mind people are, um, I am what I have or what I achieve. And recognizing these drivers can actually be helpful in thinking about how we relate to each other and relate to God. 
But what he goes on to do in the, his book, which I think is really helpful, he aligns these to the three temptations of Jesus as recorded in Matthew's Gospel. So that's why we heard that familiar passage from Matthew's Gospel. So he says that Jesus actually experiences a temptation that is about what I do. Turn the stones into bread. If I do this, then I will demonstrate my worth, that I am who I am. The next temptation, if you're God's son, throw yourself off the temple. What people say about you will define who you are. Everybody will see you do this and they will know because of this that you're God's son. And then finally, the temptation, all I will give this to you if you bow down. That actually what gives me worth is what I achieve. So if Jesus had had everybody bowing down to him, that would have fed the part of him that sees worth in what he achieves. You may or may not be convinced by those, but I find it kind of helpful. And I find it helpful because it gives an overtly spiritual and even scriptural nuance to what we're thinking about. And it reminds us that in some ways, Jesus is like each and every one of us. If we're a head person, Jesus is like us. If we're a heart person, Jesus is like us. If we're a gut person, Jesus is like us. And I find that to be helpful. It gives me permission to be myself. And it also reminds me that it's not all about me. There are all kinds of books out there that offer prayers based on personality types, and I have got some in the books I've got here this morning. But what Hertz says is that these three types can affect the kind of prayer that might be helpful for each of us. So he says, if you're a gut person, if you, you find value in what you do, if, if being busy and doing is a thing that makes you feel good about yourself, then probably what you need to do is to stop, to be still, and just be. If you're a heart person, if what feeds you is being in and around with the people all the time and, and, and feeling affirmed by that, maybe what you need is to step away and have some solitude, just for a time. And if you're somebody who's always thinking and, do, and pondering things, maybe what you need to do is just to listen, to spend some time in silence. What I thought we would do just to end this morning, I'm going to show you in a minute three different verses of scripture that may or may not be helpful for anybody and that are related to each of these three kind of types that, that are offered in this model. I'm going to read them out, and then I'm going to invite you to choose quite freely, and you don't want to say this to anybody, which one, if any of them, you kind of think, yeah, that's the one I'd like to sit with. And then we're just going to sit in silence for a couple of minutes and ponder the verse we've chosen. And you can do that any way you like. You can repeat it over and over to yourself. You can find a word that speaks to you. You can think about it. You can empty your mind, whatever works for you. So here are the three options. Be still 
and know that I am God. Come away with me to a quiet place and rest a while. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Just a couple of minutes to choose one of those and sit with it. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. In some ways, we are like every other person ever. In some ways, we are like some other people. In some ways, we are like no other people. God loves us just as we are. And God longs for us to flourish and to find fulfillment. And so we sing, come to us, creative spirit, in our Father's house. Every human talent hallow, hidden skills arouse, that within your earthly temple, wise and simple, may rejoice.
Our prayers for others this morning are taken from the book Gathering for Worship, and there is a response to each petition. You do have to listen carefully because the cue will change slightly each time. I will say, in the life of our, and a word, and the, the response which I invite you to join with me in saying is, your kingdom come, O Lord, your will be done. So in the life of our noun, your kingdom come, O Lord, your will be done. Don't worry if you don't get it, it doesn't matter. So let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Gracious God, rejoicing in your blessings, trusting in your loving care for all, we bring you our prayers for the world. We pray for the created world, for those who rebuild where things have been destroyed, for those who fight hunger, poverty and disease, for those who have power to bring change for the better and to renew hope. In the life of our world, your kingdom come, O God, your will be done. We pray for our country, for those in leadership who frame our laws and shape our common life, who keep the peace and administer justice, for those who teach and those who heal, for all who serve the community. In the life of our land, your kingdom come, O Lord, your will be done. We pray for people in need, those for whom life is a bitter struggle, those whose lives are clouded by death or loss, by pain or disability, by discouragement or fear, by shame or rejection. In the lives of those in need, your kingdom come, O Lord, your will be done. We pray for those in the circle of friendship and love around us, children and parents, sisters and brothers, friends and neighbours, and those who perhaps are especially in our own private thoughts today. In the lives of those we love, your kingdom come, O Lord, your will be done. We pray for the church in its stand with the poor, in its love for the outcast and the ashamed, in its service to the sick and the neglected, in its proclamation of the gospel in this land and in this place. In the life of your church, your kingdom come, O Lord, your will be done. Eternal God, hear our prayers, spoken and silent, through Jesus Christ our Lord, 
to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be your praise and glory forever. Amen.
May the God who delights in us, the Christ who understands us, and the Spirit who empowers us be with us all, now and always. Amen.